2: Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the midterms. Everybody else has covered it ad nauseum. I will say here's my quick take on it all before I get into what we're really going to talk about. Um, I was hoping for a giant punch in the face. You know what I mean? Senate majority, uh, House majority, governorships flipped. We didn't get all of that. We got some good stuff. We got some wins. It wasn't bad. There was two races that really were disappointing Three, actually, if you look at Hochul and Zeldin, I thought Lee Zeldin should have won it. And he took a lot of districts in New York, but he couldn't take the ones that mattered the most. But Nevada with Laxalt, Cary Lake in Arizona. (laughs) I mean, there was that's the thing there where there was election fraud in the 2020. There was some election fraud again this time around. Remember, six counties are all they needed to do to sweep and steal the election. And where were those counties at? They were in the states of Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia. You seeing a trend here? Now, Georgia, we have the runoff coming up. But really, when you break it down, 62 to 38, that's the vote. So obviously, a lot of Republicans decided to jump in with the left so that they can codify gay marriage. And actually, what they've codified is the ability for the rainbow jihad mafia, the LGBTQ activist to go after churches and nonprofits and threaten their tax exempt status like they did with the uh, you know uh the cake baker there in Colorado, right? That's what they do. And yet, what's the point in having a Senate majority? Do you really think a 51-49 uh, majority is going to really do anything when you really kind of need 60. So the Senate means nothing. If we don't have the Senate, so be it. I mean, with Mitt Romney and all these other squishes in there, we're not going to do anything if even if we have it, we just put Mitch McConnell back in as the freaking <laughs> leader of, of the, the the GOP side. So why would we be so heartbroken over the Senate? I, again, I wanted it to be a statement, punch you in the face statement because of, the Biden administration's god-awful policies, and the COVID lockdown uh, draconian uh, tyrant measures that were taken. But we, what, got 218-ish, maybe 222 in the House? And what's really interesting, Daniel Horowitz, who's a great strategist, conservative purist, which is why I like him, he made a good point. He said, you know what, having a small majority in Congress is not a bad thing because you have 30 Freedom House Caucus individuals. Well, if you get a giant majority of rhino squishes in there, when the Freedom, uh, Freedom Caucus comes and says, hey, we want to pass something, they're not even going to be listened to. No one's going to care. But when it comes down to the majority needing a good portion of that 30 to pass the legislation? Well, the Freedom Caucus can say, well, how about this? We'll help vote for it, but you got to throw in some stuff for us. And we love the Freedom Caucus. So. so really, the House going the way it did, I'm fine with that. I still think Kevin McCarthy sucks, and he's going to be our, our squish of a, of a leader. But, you know, it is what it is. And so um, we have to move forward. And what we have to deal with is the creeping global socialism. All right. And that's happening right now with COP27 climate action. COP27, the 27th conference of the parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change held in Egypt from November 6th until the 18th, delivering for people. And the planet. Okay, so they're saying, and this is from their actual website, heads of state, ministers, negotiators, along with climate activists, mayors, civil society representatives, and CEOs are meeting in the Egyptian coastal city of Sharm el-Sheikh for the largest annual gathering on climate action. Huh. Yeah, that's great. And it's really interesting when you hear some of the details, here is, if you go to now this news, that is just AOC socialist propaganda. But they have some interesting videos of COP27. First off, not a lot of protesting going on, or not a lot of coverage of protesting. Check this out.
0: We've had to fight. We've had to fight for our place at COP. And after getting here,
3: we've had to fight for a place as a neighbor where we won't just be photo ops, but actually.
1: You might be wondering, where's all the protest coverage this year? Well, as Deesha said, it's been really hard to be heard here at COP27. However, we have seen some protests throughout the conference. Compared to last year's COP26 in Glasgow, there hasn't been a massive protesting, but not for the lack of trying. The demonstration zone is hard to find, hot, and nowhere near the negotiations. Honestly,
2: when we come here into these spaces, we don't expect that much because we know that the chains come from the
3: communities, but we at least expect a
1: little bit of support. What are the groups that's shown up most consistently is a vegan contingent, whose protests outside the entrance most days highlight the emissions that the meat industry causes. They've also been handing out vegan food. Thanks for lunch. Otherwise, we've seen small groups confined to this specific place. Many of them are calling for loss and damage funding, demanding polluting industries be kicked out of these climate talks, and calling out countries who are missing their emission targets. Larger protests have occurred on the roads between buildings, one of the bigger actions being for Fridays for Future to wrap up week one, demanding loss and damage funding for climate vulnerable countries. There's also a group of activists who protested by not attending COP27, although mostly for safety reasons, as Egypt is notorious for abusing human rights. However, those who didn't show up are not staying silent, and there were climate protests in London, Sydney, Madrid, and other cities all over the world on the Climate Day of Action.
2: So they don't want to be a photo op, and they don't want to be, you know, they want to be heard, but there's not a lot of protesting going on. Um, Well... (laughs) That's interesting because usually like the, uh, you know, WTO and all of this stuff was always surrounded with violent protests, things caught on fire, people, you know, uh, spray painting buildings. I mean, just loving their environment, right? But it's interesting because they have a bunch of new activists that they're pushing. Um, One is... We don't have a Greta Thunberg to worry about anymore, gang. Not now. Now we have Sophie Chiani or Sophia Chiani. She is this cute little model who is now an activist who is on the board for the UN, United Nations Climate Committee. She's like, I'm 20 years old and I'm the youngest person ever to be an official United Nations advisor. Gen Z is finally at the decision-making table. And yeah, I mean, she's cute, you know. But this is an Instagram move. This is the Instagramification of American culture. This is where, or well, globally, this is where they're going to go with this. They want to take, see, they try to run a young autistic girl who was supposedly underage, so you couldn't criticize her because she's young, and you couldn't criticize her because she's autistic, but she just comes across as shill and unlikable. So what do they do now? Well, they try to go the AOC route. Let's get an Instagram influencer! She can hold up her energy drinks and wear her lingerie and talk about climate. Right? So that's what she's doing. Um, And, (laughs) interestingly enough, she is also... (laughs) <laughs> friends, good friends, with Bill Gates' daughter. Amazing. Um, so yeah. It's it's really it's really ridiculous what they're doing. Listen to this Ukrainian activist. Keep in mind, she's Ukrainian, and we know what the WEF and the United Nations and the globalists are doing with Ukraine, right? Uh uh Sam Friedman, whatever the guy's name from FTX is, he's supposed to be doing a meeting with, with uh, Larry Fink from BlackRock, Janet Yellen, and Vladimir Zelensky, right? <laughs> this guy, they were basically funneling money through Ukraine, putting it into, so Ukraine's taking money, putting it into this FTX uh, cryptocurrency Ponzi scheme, that ends up falling apart right after the elections, and the guy from that organization was taking large chunks of money and dumping it into the Democrat Party. He even had, there, what was it, an expense uh, amount, or there was a balance sheet line, line item that said Trump loses, and that's where that money was going, into a fund that they could use for Trump losing? <laughs> it's, it's such a crazy ruse. But listen to this eco-climate activist from Ukraine.
0: My experience that fossil fuels are not only the main uh, cause of the climate crisis that we are facing right now, but it is also about the fact that they are weaponized in the hands of uh, dictatorial regimes, and we must stop this. So we uh, demand from all countries to commit to a fossil fuel phase-out. The migration crisis, the exacerbation of migration crisis, food crisis, democracy crisis uh, are all the result of, the, uh, of our fossil fuel dependency.
2: So, yeah, they want a fossil fuel phase-out. Well, much to their chagrin, sorry. Now this news, socialist propaganda news, reports this. The UN released a first draft of the COP27 two, uh, two agreement on November 16th, and it's missing a key element of the discussions that have been taking place at the conference. There's no plan to phase down fossil fuels. It's worth noting that the released document was labeled a non-paper, so it's not even close to the final version. But the current version simply calls UN member nations to accelerate measures towards the phase-down of unabated coal power and to phase out and rationalize insufficient fossil fuel subsidies, a repeat of what was in the COP26 climate pact last year. Uh, Greenpeace's international head of delegation for COP27 said, after fine after initially... Failing to even mention fossil fuels, the draft is uh, text is an abdication of the responsibility to capture the urgency expressed expressed by many countries. To see oil and gas added to coal for at least a phase down, it's time to end the denial. The fossil fuel age must be brought to a rapid end. Um, yeah, we're going to get into the debunking of that because this is what you know, is really happening. This is why we go from the midterms to this. This one uh, person that I follow on on Twitter who always has good threads, Theo Jordan. He said, Now that the midterms are behind us and the end of democracy rhetoric has no more burn, the Truman show will put the full weight of its propaganda behind pumping climate fear porn to advance an agenda that has always been the final landing place of the leftist design. Now, remember, in that last video uh, where they were talking about the protest, they said, who said, who was the majority of the people that were really vocal in making a presence? It was vegans, and they were talking about the uh, meat industry and the meat industry's impact on the climate. Well, the FDA just approved lab-grown meat for the first time ever. So, remember, they're pushing the eating bugs and eating grasshoppers and now they're pushing lab-grown meat or this synthetic Beyond Burgers that's not even good for you nutritionally, and it, it's actually really really bad for you, and no one's buying it. Well, they decided that they're going to push this lab-grown meat, right? Because while you're eating lab-grown meat, guess what the G20 was having on their menu in Indonesia, Long Pung Tenderloin Wagyu Beef. Remember I kept saying, while we're all eating bugs, they're going to be jet-setting around the globe eating Wagyu beef. And guess what? It's actually on the freaking menu. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, Wagyu for me, not for thee. You got to go eat the crickets and roaches. It's it's seriously un- unbelievable. But the uh, the left is all... In, up in arms, you know, because they didn't like the fact that COP27 was in Egypt. The U.N. urged to move it because of the LGBTQ uh, torture culture in Egypt. It's, it's really unbelievable. And then you got Mr. Lab Grown Meat himself, Bill Gates, out there saying those of us who have done the most to cause this problem should help the rest of the world survive it. We owe them that much. And he lists this article. It says, the world has to adapt to the climate change it will not avoid. Which is really interesting because there's an article I saw today that should put an end to all of this. In the UK Daily Mail, Earth can regulate its temperature over hundreds of thousands of years to stay in the habitable range. Breakdown of silicate rocks takes carbon from the atmosphere and stores it in the ocean sediments. Wait a minute. I was told carbon was the death of us, even though it's plant food. its I mean, I thought carbon was going to end up killing us all, right? We only have, what, nine years left? How many? AOC said 12. We're down to nine. I think we're at six at this point. Earth can stabilize its temperature over hundreds of thousands of years, a new study reveals. The weathering of uh, silicate rocks creates a chemical reaction that draws carbon from the atmosphere and into ocean sediment, which has a stabilizing effect. The findings are based on a study of data of record fluctuations in the average global temperature over the last 66 million years. You have a planet whose climate was subjected to so many dramatic external changes. Why did life survive all this time? A scientist involved with the study said. The planet contains a stabilizing feedback mechanism that's able to keep the climate pendulum from swinging too far in either direction along timescales. It's believed this is an accomplished, or this is accomplished through uh, silicate weathering, a, geofil- a geological process during which the slow, steady weathering of silicate rocks involves chemical reactions that draw carbon from the atmosphere, into ocean sediments, thereby trapping the gas in the rocks. The findings were published in the journal Science Advances and are based on a study of uh, paleoclimate data and record fluctuations in average global temperatures of the last 66 million years. Researchers applied the mathematical analysis to determine if the data revealed any patterns that would show a stabilizing phenomena to keep the global temperatures in line on a very long time scale. They found that there seems to be a consistent pattern whereby the planet's temperature swings get dampened over the course of hundreds of thousands of years. That duration is similar to the time scales over silicate weathering is thought to act. You have a planet whose climate was subjected to so many dramatic external changes. Why did life survive all this time? One argument is that we need some sort of stabilizing mechanism to keep the temperatures uh, suitable for life. That's from Konstantin Armstead, a graduate student at MIT's department of earth, atmosphere and planetary sciences uh, division. But it's never been uh, demonstrated from data that such a mechanism has constantly controlled earth's climate through previous research scientists have observed the moment of carbon in and out of the earth's surface environment to stay relatively balanced. Despite global temperature swings, scientists believe we are currently in a period of warming and have urged policymakers to enact a range of changes to curb carbon emissions, to become carbon neutral. So they throw, see, they always throw that crap in there at some point, even when the article basically debunks the entire premise of their cause they still have to throw the garbage in there but sounds to me like the earth takes care of itself we've been saying this we've got a we've got the wef out there trying to shove everybody in their homes that they were so happy with the lockdowns because the noise and the and the, and the pollution was minimized and then they said oh it barely had an effect we have to do more right they're out there starving and causing all types of famine through Crappy organic farming that failed, that we talked about in Sri Lanka. We're talking about Europe's not going to have any energy to heat their homes. They're all going to die of, of, you know, uh, being frozen to death. I mean, in their homes because they don't have fossil fuels that they're operating with. We've got gas going through the freaking roof right now. And we're, we're sitting on tons of renewable goo that we can turn into oil or turn into petrol. But we're no, no one's doing this. We're basically dismantling democracies and dismantling our constitutional republic and taking any bit of freedom and minimizing it so a group of elites can step in under the premise of your exhaling breath and, uh, and cow farts are causing the planet to go up in temperature. So we need to take over the entire global economy. We need to take over power over you and monitor your every move through digital currencies and, uh, social credit scores and all this and that while we're sitting over here reading an article about how the planet regulates itself. It's, it's laughable. I mean, it's just as laughable as at cop two, two seven having Xi Jinping who is building coal fire coal fire plants almost every week and is not following any sort of climate uh, mandate excoriating Mr. Box of Water, Justin Trudeau. And what do you and your family do to cut back on plastics? Uh,
0: uh, we uh, uh, we have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh, water out of uh, when we have water bottles uh, out of a uh, plastic. Uh, sorry, away from plastic towards uh, paper. Um, like drink box water bottles sort of things. There's, there's a number of choices we can make as consumers uh, that will Uh, do better and every consumer needs to look at ways they can make smarter choices in their consumptions Uh, we certainly do that on a daily basis uh, as we've switched from uh, plastic water bottles to uh, to paper water bottles um, or cardboard water bottles but there are uh, uh, there's always more things to do and we're looking forward to
2: yeah xi jinping just excoriates this guy right there on camera just right there in his face you've got joe biden wearing uh suits you know, he's he's following Xi Jinping around, dressed like he's one of the communist China, which he probably is. He's bought by him. So is his son. All of this under the ruse of saving the planet when the planet takes care of itself. It's ridiculous. We're going to get into some other things here, so stick with us. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. You're probably expecting a live read by me about Anchor and the podcasting platform. Well, that podcasting platform... Spot has ended And that was actually one that was guaranteed to be An ongoing spot And Spotify owns Anchor FM now So I don't know if it has anything to do with the content That we provide because it is very political On the right I know that they stopped sending me Commercial spot reads except for the anchor read And It could be purely coincidental It could also be purely coincidental that September 2020 my listenership exploded beyond belief for a period of time, same time that fact checkers by the media and big tech were scouring many podcasts ahead of the election. Hmm. Could be coincidental, maybe not. Regardless of all that, it could very well be co- you know coincidental that this is why they ended the campaign. I don't know. I don't care. All I know is if you really enjoy this podcast and you want to support it, you can financially support it through your own donation, subscription costs, whatever. It could be very minimal, $1.99, $4.99. Go to anchor.fm slash Slade slash support. That's anchor.fm slash slade slash support and donate directly to the show and support our mission to give you the news beyond what the big talkers are given, the things that should be talked about that may not be looked at as important because it doesn't fit the trendy news cycle of the day, things that look over the sky's horizon to what may be coming down the pike. Anchor.fm slash Adrian slash support. Donate, and I thank you very much. So everybody has been talking about FTX and how insane this whole situation was, this cryptocurrency exchange and also the crypto hedge fund that sam bankman freed put together that collapsed on its face and ended up bankrupting him the democrats were able to use that scheme to funnel money through or actually money funneled out from sam bankman freed to democrat opponents and some republican ones too more forward progressive republicans you know all the rhinos that we can't stand but that's the way that Maxine Waters and all of them are able to go out there and say, oh, well, you know, they funded both sides. But I'm going to give you a perspective on this situation that no one else is providing because I'm seeing something a little bit different. You know, everybody's talking about how it's a Ponzi scheme and there is some Ukrainian connections, which I'm going to get into that too near the end. But the real Ponzi scheme here wasn't just some sort of money laundering campaign through FTX, you know, or actually to Ukraine, Ukraine through FTX for Ukrainian uh, purchases of military equipment and weapons and armament and then money going back through FTX being donated to Democrat and progressive or forward thinking Republican candidates. It, it is a Ponzi scheme. A Ponzi scheme that Binance, a competitive uh, crypto exchange, facilitated the collapse because of ego and anger and just a lot of things. But I also want to get into the fact that the real Ponzi scheme was Sam Bankman-Fried's worldview. And it's a worldview that has been cultivated in entrepreneurs, business or a business uh, degreed universities, you know, universities that provide business degrees, those seeking international business degrees, um, they were all indoctrinated with this. In fact, I actually took a degree change years and years ago, like right after the whole collapse of Enron and WorldCom and what have you back in the early 2000s. And I saw the beginnings of this and it bothered me back then. Because I was going, if people are buying into this, what are they going to do with it as they get successful? And we saw it right there with Sam Bankman fried We've seen it with Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. We've seen it with Adam Newman and We Work. All of those had scandals, all of those were disruptive companies, all of them were progressive-based and they fell flat on their face. So I we need to get into the Ponzi scheme of Sam Bankman-Fried's. Worldview. Before we get into Sam Bankman Fried's real Ponzi scheme, his failed worldview that lent itself open to corrupt actors that were associated with him to exploit it. Listen to this video about how this guy is just, you know, he's not into he's not into riches and he's gonna give all his money away and he still drives a Toyota Corolla and he's just the every man's billionaire, right? Listen to this.
0: But Sam is not a traditional billionaire because he believes in the concept of earn to give, which means his goal as a human is to make as much money as possible just to give it away.
3: Earn to give. And that's exactly what he's doing. So let's say that you have a hundred dollars and you want to figure out what you can do with it to help the world. Earning to give is thinking about which causes which charity save the most lives per dollar. This hundred dollars can go as far as it possibly can to help the world.
0: Last year, this 29-year-old guy donated $50 million. Next year, he's planning to donate $500 million a year. And
3: next decade, he will probably give away more than $10 billion. The amount of good that you can do uh for the future of the world is is really large and it's way more than you can do to actually make yourself happy with anything like that amount of money.
0: And he is funding everything you can think of, global warming. It's one of the
3: biggest problems that we have to tackle together as a world. COVID-19
0: preparedness. We
3: have to be ready for the next pandemic. Neglected tropical diseases. More than a billion people suffer from them. We have to eliminate these diseases. And of course, animal welfare animals deserve to live just like we do it's also why I'm vegan
0: Sam doesn't need the money to buy a Lamborghini or to buy a Rolex or to impress his friends in fact his car is a Toyota Corolla hold on where's your car it's uh, that one there that's like what a Toyota Uh, yeah it's a Corolla why don't you buy a Lamborghini man didn't have any particular need for one. He wants to get rich in order to impact the world and change.
2: Wow. He sounds like the everyman, you know, he sounds like a really good person. He's always wearing his dingy t-shirt and shorts, whatever the occasion, that's how he's dressed. Whether it's meeting with top investors with crap tons of money or you're up on stage speaking with Tony Blair and, and Bill Clinton, you're always wearing this dingy shirt and shorts uh, like you've been sitting in the bi- your mom's basement playing video games all day and you still drive a Toyota Corolla. I mean, you should have went one step further and went all Will Ferrell and been like, I drive a Dodge Stratus. I mean, what would be the difference? Right. So that right there shows you that he's just marketed up. You know, I mean, he goes by SBF. It's kind of like AOC. You know, it's kind of like. They market you in such a way where you're wearing the green Zelensky dingy T-shirt or you're always dressed like, uh, you know, uh, like a turtleneck like Steve Jobs, right? You've got this look about you that has to be presented all the time in the same manner. And the only difference between your name and a jingle or a logo is when they say your name, you don't hear, you know, the Intel song, It's all marketing. It's all a show. That's what I'm talking about. Now, we're going to get into his worldview, but we're also going to get into why his failed worldview allowed himself to make the decisions that he made, but also allowed himself to be duped by other actors who will exploit the situation for their own gains. So here's a good 60-second breakdown Uh, This account, Nobody Special on Twitter, he does these 60-second breakdowns of certain things, and he did a breakdown on the real story behind FTX and uh, SBF. Sam Bankman Freed listen to this
4: this is Sam Bankman Freed people call him SBF. he's the founder of FTX he also controlled a crypto hedge fund called Alameda research but that's all gone now he wants you to think he's this sweet guy he even bought in a famous youtuber who called him the most generous man in the world yep that happened truth is Sam Bankman Freed is a liar and a crook his personal crypto FTX token was basically a Ponzi scheme hidden below layers of Moonbro jargon he even went on Bloomberg's podcast and bragged about it yep that happened he used his Ponzi token as collateral to borrow billions of real dollars that he couldn't pay back. He then used those real dollars to build an empire out of dying companies like Voyager and BlockFi. This led Jim Cramer to call him the new J.P. Morgan. That's weird. It's not like Jim Cramer to promote a billionaire con artist. SBF sold people cryptos like Bitcoin. Or so they thought. What they really bought from SBF was an IOU. But as long as everyone didn't cash in their IOU at the same time the scheme worked. Until it didn't. This other a-hole who hates SBF came along and engineered a bank run with some passive aggressive tweets. It worked. SBF didn't have enough money to repay everyone at once, and now his customers have lost everything. He'll be happy to know that this is exactly how every bank in the world operates. So where did all the money go? He misappropriated $4 billion trying to save his failing hedge fund. Whoops, that's a felony. He spent $21 million on Super Bowl commercials, $5 million for the big guy, $40 million in campaign donations. I wonder what he wanted in return. And everyone who's pointing at this story and saying, this is exactly why we need to regulate crypto. Remember that SBF stole billions. That's already a crime. And he spent a lot of it on bribing politicians. Also a crime in order to create a crypto monopoly for himself. Government regulations don't protect the customers. They protect the crooks. That's exactly what SBF was trying to do.
2: I love how he takes a jab at Jim Cramer because there's a shot. You don't see this because you don't see the video. There's a shot of Jim Cramer touting Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos who just got 11 years for defrauding investors. (laughs) But see, this is the deal. In the wake of Enron and the WorldCom scandals, those happened in early 2000, there was a big sea change in ethics within Wall Street, within the corporate community. And it was put into motion. Now universities across the nation, more notably those that are in the degree, or pa- degree paths of business or international business, they required a a focus, ethic- uh, focus on ethics. It was mandated. It showed up in every single course, at least one portion. you know, there, there was a chapter in your textbook on ethics, regardless of the course. And why do you think that was the case? Well, I don't know. We took God. And banned him from the classrooms We weren't allowed to have faith Which was the guardrail for us You know, I would surmise the removal of Christianity from almost every educational institution From public schools, pre-K, all the way on up to the higher educational levels Was probably a good part of the problem And that's where all this kind of reared its ugly head you know, the morals, the scruples that that were societal guardrails were completely removed. The only remaining barriers were laws, and these were laws that were passed by flawed individuals, sometimes for for their own self-interest, sometimes reactionary or knee-jerk reactionary laws. We do that with gun laws all the time. You know, we somebody shoots up a gay club, right? Next thing you know, we've got some weird... Semi-automatic ban or something You know, we get somebody shoot up a a concert A country music concert in Vegas And we get a bum stock ban, right? So we get these laws The problem is the laws don't cover everything That can be manipulated or corrupted And so there was always this argument Between what is legal and what is ethical And that's where this gray area came up Because yeah, you could do something That is completely legal But completely unethical And so we had to establish a new morality. You know, we had to replace morality with this new one. And the discussion of what was ethical versus what was legal was a regular conversation across campuses. And that also opened the door to ideas that would, you know, deem organizations as ultra-ethical, right? These were the good organizations. I saw this firsthand because I made a career change in the early 2000s and went into accounting and international business. And so I saw these uh, these concepts being discussed in their infancy. I mean, this, you know, a lot of these things companies did on their own for years, but there was a now homogenized push. And and I'm going to get into when you get into uh, SBF's uh, worldview, you get these little packaged morality movements. Um, that you know, it's almost like they've got a, a neat nifty name, and it's all got a. A whole subculture around it and it's things you do things you don't do what have you but this was corporate philanthropy you know in its inception it was a valiant idea it was a valiant effort find a cause use your success to help support that cause but the main problem is removing one worldview it always leads to the replacement of another Nature abhors a vacuum, and it's going to fill that void immediately. So a flimsy worldview will lead to shallow actions. And when you get rid of a deep worldview like Christianity or a Christian background or a background of faith of some kind that has moral imperatives that you have to follow, you know, we have the Ten Commandments and we have things that that Jesus laid out, when we go against those, and we, well, when we just completely remove them, well, then we're going to have to have a worldview of some kind, and the one that he adopted was really flimsy. And his, Sam Bankman-Fried's real deficiency was his worldview. He may have conducted the most expensive and financially devastating Ponzi scheme in modern history, but the real Ponzi scheme was the worldview that he bought into and adopted. So Sam Bankman-Fried... The propped-up cryptocurrency cur- hedge fund uh, genius lauded by Time Magazine, Forbes, CNBC, Squawkbox, <laughs> I mean, Wall Street Journal. He had them all fooled. Every financial news publication. He was his own worst enemy. He was treated as some young financial savant. You know, he's consistently disheveled in his appearance, wearing T-shirts and shorts at almost every meeting or speaking engagement. This was his show of what the what the young folks like to call creative disruption. You know, that's what they like about creative disrup- dis- disruption. Let's get that word right. Creative disruption is they want to go into an industry that's already been established for decades. They want to come in with a technological reboot, something that changes the game completely. A lot of it's tied to tech. And so they get into... The transportation industry, you know, taxis and, and bus, uh, busing and what have you, with Uber rideshare and disrupt the game, right? They get into things like cable television and go into the movies and they disrupt the game with streaming like Netflix did. Or, you know, Theranos, they, she wanted to disrupt the healthcare game with her tech of being able to de- de- detect all types of diseases just with a drop of blood. All of these things they want to see as innovation and it's something that shows their genius, but they want to break in and disrupt things. But they don't ever see the capitalist side of this. They don't see that you came up with capital. You had to get investors. Look at WeWorks, right? Adam Newman. Look at all these people that had to be brought in. thoronos she defrauded all of her investors, and that's why you got what you got. But So they all need investors. They don't see that that's obtaining capital. Then they need innovation. They don't see that as free market working to move forward, to, to progress to more efficient means, more desirable items and products and services. They don't see any of that. It's just above and beyond them because of their worldview, what they've replaced their worldview with. And so they see the rebellious, disruptive side of their worldview. You know, we want a revolution, right? They want to get out, stick their fist up in the air. we got to have a revolution. we got to change the world. They see all of that. I mean, go watch the We Crashed uh, series on HBO. Or no, it was Apple, Apple TV. It's a really good series. I think it's Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto. And Jared Leto does a hell of a job. Uh, go in and portray Actually both of them do I hate to say it Both of them portray Adam Newman and his wife Almost to a T You see a little interview at the very end of the last episode And you're like oh my god They nailed these guys Um, But their whole thing was make. They wanted to make the world better And when a lot of investing types came in Business minded types came in They were like this mission statement is crap we were, our mission statement should be something based on our business. And they were like, no, we're trying to change the world. So it's this same mentality. And this disruption is what they want. You know, you don't wear the suit and tie anymore. You come in like you're a gamer. You don't wear, uh, you know, you, you don't come in looking the corporate type. You buck that system, right? And so that's what he's doing. He's going against the grain of corporate norms especially in the field of new technology and finance. So cryptocurrency is like the new friggin' big tech uh, thing. It's like the new social media platform. It's like, oh man, you're not cool if you don't know about Shiba coin and Dogecoin and you know whatever the case, Ethereum, what, all those things. I have money on all that. But anyways, and, and I see the technological benefits of it, but you hear of things of like Stellar and uh, Cordano, and I think it's uh, one of those is actually the bedrock behind what, the leftists are trying to create as far as digital currency goes. But that's the thing. He's this gamer who suddenly, uh, his business uh, suddenly became a billionaire. His business philosophy was enriched by his love of magic, the gathering card game. I mean, the stories of Sam sleeping on a beanbag chair outside of conference rooms as they were, uh, filling them, filling up conference rooms with potential wealthy investors. They're seen as corporate rebellion, like a Mark Zuckerberg, when in reality it was more like an Adam Newman or an Elizabeth Holmes. But his worldview is based on his public philanthropy. And the funny thing about it is, he thinks he's doing good for the world, but and he thinks, "Oh, I'm disheveled. I don't need the money," uh, as though that's being humble. Problem is. He's on every publication. He's out there doing all these interviews. He's not humble. His lack of humility is actually being promoted and being lauded as, you know, it's it's like Sean Penn sloshing through the water to help out the Haitians after the earthquake and then all the cameras around. Look at him doing good, right? So he is into what is called effective altruism. That's the basis of his worldview. It's defined as a, quote, research field Uh, and practical community that aims to find the best ways to help others and put those tools into practice. It is about doing good better, right? Kind of like build back better. Just a dumb term that's dramatically wrong. Doing good better. I mean, on its face, it seems like a notable idea. I mean, Mr. Bankman Bankman-Fried would amass enormous revenue and then only take what he feels he needs and then Donate the rest to worthy causes. You know, he he feels that he can support all of these other things with all these billions while he's still driving around in Toyota Camry. You know, he doesn't dress in expensive clothing. But here's the problem with his philosophy. It lacks humility. They act as though this philanthropy uh, is displaying integrity and ethical behavior. The problem is, what is integrity? It's doing good when no one is looking. Right? Everybody's looking here. And the problem is that effective altruism doesn't come off as doing right when no one is looking. The reason it is always on full display is it's televised. It's a plethora of attaboys by all the right notable people. It is, in a sense, a giant virtue signal. It lends itself to corruption. The right people need to be charmed to enter the correct networks of individuals. And that is what SBF did that pulled him into the scam of ESG scores and financial virtue signaling. And he actually debunks all the ESG stuff now that he's been found out to be a fraud and his empire collapsed. It's it's pretty amazing. He goes out and just destroys ESG, and then he does this whole, this is why I did what I did expose with Vox, and guess what? Now his legal defense team is like, you idiot, I have nothing to run on here, Right? So, going back to it, he had to grease the right wheels and court the right regulators to advance his acceptance. Now, this effective altruism was popularized by Peter Singer, an Australian moral philosopher and professor at Princeton University. He specializes in applied ethics, but from a hedonistic, utilitarian perspective. So now you know that this is a secular worldview and completely void of any sort of uh, uh, faith. And here's the thing about... Sam Bankman-Fried's morality, right? Do good better. Look at me giving all this money to all these great causes. And the problem with this approach is what happens when the definition of things change and the cause now is to support a presidential candidate or the cause is to support a a, a party, a political party. What happens then? When you vilify the other side, of the political aisle and said that they're evil people. And now to do good better means to defeat the evil people, which the evil people are your political rivals. So, you know, just like Dan Bongino always says, the right views people on the left as people with bad ideas, and the left views people on the right as bad people with ideas. So if you've now changed the definition of doing good is to defeat a political side because you've now changed the definition of the political side to being a a evil person. Well, then you can justify pouring tons of money into a political party. You know, you can also justify doing all types of stuff. One of the great causes he gave money to was to an organization, uh, that was involved with debunking or attempting to debunk. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine as treatments against COVID-19. He funded that crap. <laughs> right? It's incredible. He helped fund the one thing that would have saved people back when we had no vaccines. But no, we couldn't do that. We had to have idiots like this guy who's taking his Ponzi scheme and funding crap like Ivermectin studies uh, to debunk it. And on top of that, his morality... Consist of his polygamous relationship with his his co CEO. Uh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but I'll pu- I'll get it after I play this clip. Um, where it's a group of them living together, polygamous relationship. They're all having sex with each other. <laughs> it's like, uh, not much morality there, right? And listen to her <laughs> flippantly talk about how they didn't even have to employ any math skills into what they did, which is finance. Yeah, absolutely could pull it off
3: without my math degree. (laughs) Use very little math. Um, Use a lot of like uh, elementary school math. Being comfortable with risk is very important. Um, (laughs) We tend not to have things like stop losses. I think those aren't necessarily a great risk management tool. Trying to think of a good example of a trade where I've lost a ton of money um well i don't know i probably don't want to go into specifics too much with that
2: (laughs) (laughs) who needs things like math when you're running a financial institution right i mean you're running a currency who needs math i mean we don't need anything to balance no reconciliations doesn't even matter and that was their undoing the balance sheet that was the beginning of the end and I think we need to take a moment to explain how the collapse happened, and then we'll kind of dovetail back into the remaining aspects of the worldview here with, uh, that, that would adopt the idea of saying it's fine to operate a crypto exchange without having any accounts balancing or any financial statements making sense. So let's take a look at how everything fell apart. So the FTX balance sheet was leaked to a crypto news site, Coindesk, which effectively caused a run on the exchange by exposing the financial ties between FTX, his uh, hedge fund group, Almeida Research, and a crypto trading firm also owned by Sam uh, Bankman-Fried. So the balance sheet showed... Not only did it show a line item for Trump loses, (laughs) the balance sheet showed that FTX's finances were a paper tiger and ripe for plundering. So now, CZ, he is the, uh, well, the acronym, they love using these acronyms AOC, SBF, CZ. This guy, uh, Mr. Chong, I think is what his name is. What's his name? No, Zhao, I'm sorry. Mr. Zhao, he is the owner of Binance, a competitive. Crypto exchange. Well, he followed with a jujitsu move created by a market run on FTX. Because what he did was he got his firm to dump all the FTX tokens they were holding, essentially telling the market they had no faith in them. CZ, the owner of Binance, outsmarted SBF plain and simple. A friend who is deeply involved in this industry told uh, the individual writing this story, and that it was a clashing of egos. And see, what what FTX was doing was they were bailing out a lot of these crypto exchanges that were falling under because Bitcoin was being ousted from certain countries and, and the price was dropping. So Voyager and all these other crypto exchanges were going belly up. SBF was buying them out. And then you turn around and you get Binance after they dropped all of their tokens for FTX. I think it's the FTT token Um and got everybody else to follow suit, um, well, then they turned around and offered to purchase the failing crypto firm. He was going to announce that he was going to buy SBF's empire in a move to save FTX. You know, he helped, uh, CZ helped Sam Bankman-Fried create FTX. He let him grow it, and then when it got too big, he destroyed it. So he goes out there and says, hey, look, I will save FTX. I will buy it. And then a day later, he declared no deal as FTX was a big hairball and not worth the hassle. Now, Zhao launched Binance back in 2017, armed with 15 million that he raised in initial coin offering. That's called capital, guys. At the time, the exchange was based in Shanghai. Hmm. According to one person who knew Zhao, at the time, he was ambitious, persistent. Had a great appetite for risk. Well, the Chinese uh, the exchange was forced to move from China to Hong Kong after the country cracked down on digital currencies. Despite having offices in Hong Kong, Binance was owned by a holding company that was incorporated in the Cayman Islands. So the Chinese affiliation, Cayman Islands holding companies, really wonder what's going on behind that. Since then, Binance tried moving to other jurisdictions, but ended up lacking regulators who would accommodate uh, the, the wayward ways. And that's one of the reasons why Sam Bankman-Fried was giving out money to Democrats and some Republicans was because he wanted to get regulators on his side, just like every Cronius does. And now they claim Binance has no physical address. Imagine that. So that's basically what happened. A competitor wrecked the entire thing, Much like the whole crypto ecosystem, which is supposed to be open and transparent, this situation was messy, and the crypto ecosystem is as well. This is more opaque than a dog with glaucoma, the writer said. So how did the scam work? Well, FTX would create a synthetic token that tracked the price of Bitcoin but would leverage. So if Bitcoin went up by 10%, the FTX token would go up by 20%. Of course, if Bitcoin prices fell the losses would double as well. So the tokens were not real Bitcoin, but a creation of FTX, their own tokens that were like hedging on Bitcoin. The company used their gains to raise cash by using their own tokens as collateral for loans. Tiger Global, Sequoia Capital, SoftBank, Lightspeed, Tomezik, BlackRock, and others invested over a billion in the company which at one time was valued at 32 billion FTX and Almeida researches intermingled ownership should have raised eyebrows, but history shows greed, Trump's diligence. And when Binance decided to dump their holdings of FTX tokens, the price of the token plummeted taking FTX in the exchange with it. So now we got to circle back to the worldviews, the failure of their worldviews. Now, Almeida Research's CEO, which we heard earlier, who doesn't like to use basic math, Caroline Ellison, she penned a graphic blog post about polyarmy and masochism before the implosion of her FTX-linked cryptocurrency hedge fund. Now, Ellison dated FTX founder SBF and wrote candidly about her foray into poly. That means they're going to have multiple partners on her now-deleted Tumblr account back in February 2020. The post, along with a series of other sexualized entries, was unearthed by a tabloid just days after Coindesk claimed Ellison, who was 28, and Sam Bankman-Fried, who was 30, were a part of a 10-person cabal of roommates that managed operations for FTX and Almeida from a luxury penthouse in the Bahamas. Coindesk claimed that the group are or used to be, in romantic relations with each other. Quote, when I first started my foray into poly, I thought it was a radical break from my traditional past, Ellison allegedly wrote in the tumble entry. But to be honest, I've come to decide the only acceptable style of poly is best characterized as something like imperial Chinese harem. (laughs) So not much uh, morality going on there when you've got like multiple partners and there's no commitment and you know, it's pretty much all over the place. You just do what you want. Right? Well, then there's ESG and the founder of FTX. He was going out telling the truth about ESG. He says that environmental, social and governance investing is a fraud. And so is his progressive public posturing. Now remember BlackRock who was listed as an investor is the proponent of ESG. They're the one heading up ESG to where you have to have certain environmentally green aspects to your company so your score goes high. You have to use social justice to hire the right mix of minorities and and lesbians and gays and trainees and what have you. And your governance, you got to be buddied up with the government. Your score will go through the roof. So... Mr. Bankman Freed, after everything collapsed, was pretty pissed about it, and he was rambling in an attempt to explain how he managed to lose billions of dollars in FTX consumer funds. Quote, I was on the cover of every magazine, and FTX was the darling of Silicon Valley, he noted. As a result, quote, we got overconfident and careless. Bankman Freed virtue signaled by committing to make FTX carbon neutral and donating generously to fashionable progressive causes, such as a foundation working to provide solar energy in the Amazon River Basin. This is the effect of altruism, see? You give money to these causes, they bring you into the network, you virtue signal, look how great our company is, look how great I am. And then you get elevated. Quote, we're given millions each year to launch sustainability-related initiatives, he said in an April Forbes article. Um, And you can't even make this up. He (laughs) said he was working with Brazilian supermodel Gisele Bundchen. I wonder if that's why Tom Brady and her are on the outs. Meanwhile, he was lev- leveraging FTX customer funds to make risky, ill time bets. Quote, problems were brewing larger than I realize, he tweeted. In the future, I'm going to care less about the dumb, contentless, good actor framework, he added. What matters is what you do, is actually doing good or bad, not just talking about doing good, or using ESG language. Mr. Beckman-Fried is also acknowledging that he genuflected to regulators and democratic lawmakers to win political protection. ESG ratings company True Value Labs even gave FTX a higher score on leadership and governance than ExxonMobil, though the crypto exchange only had three directors on its board. The directors were Mr. Beckman-Fried, another FTX executive, and an outside attorney. Truelab says FTX was given an overall laggard score. ESG is, prevent, is perverted beyond recognition. Well, we knew that. We've been talking about it for like a couple of years. Mr. Bankman-Fried confessed in an interview this week with Vox, in which he also acknowledged that his advocacy for strong crypto regulations was just PR. The cronyism was just PR, see? He said he feels bad for those who get harmed by this dumb game of woke Westerners, what we play, when we say all the right shilo- uh, shibboleths and everyone likes us, ah, yes, the poor saps who invest in companies because they claim to be sustainable. So yeah, we get back into Peter Singer, the the creator of this effective altruism. Um, he's big into animal liberation. He argues for in favor of veganism. His essay. Famine, affluence, and morality, in which he argues in favor of donating to help the global poor. See, it's all virtue signaling. But some of their, their stances, like animal uh, liberation and, you know, the can't eat meat, we come to find out it's all BS as well. I mean, two, two examples of this are an article, one of them is an article that came out pretty recently, and the other is the story of Beyond Meat. You know, that's the uh, the plant substitute for meat. So this is from BigThink.com. Red meat is not a health risk. New study slams years of shoddy research. Studies have been linking red meat consumption to health problems like heart disease, stroke, and cancer for years. But these invariably suffer from methodical limitations. In an unprecedented effort, health scientists at the University of Washington scrutinized decades of research on red meat consumption and its links to various health outcomes and introducing a new way to assess health risk in the process. They only found weak evidence that unprocessed red meat consumption is linked to colorectal cancers, breast cancer, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease, and no link at all between eating red meat and stroke. It's it's amazing because they're a lot of times saying that eating red meat is, you know, or their lack of eating red meat is because of the fact that they want uh, their health to be, At front and center, but you find out that eh, really doesn't have an impact on it, does it? So then we find out that um, Beyond Meat is losing in the marketplace. It's not healthy. (laughs) It's just amazing. Quote, Beyond Meat collapses, and the substitute is a disaster. It became the biggest failure in the history of the food industry, financial mismanagement, and health hazard. Humans are carnivores, culinary and gastro- gastronomic traditions are planetary heritage. So uh, Julian Meliton posted, meat substitute catastrophe is finally getting the attention the main- of the mainstream media. They have pivoted from, quote, will replace 30% of meat to recognizing it's a no-growth niche. It is becoming one of the biggest failures in the food industry in history. And that's where I linked it up with FTX because that was the biggest failed Ponzi scheme in human history, the most expensive Ponzi scheme. And FTX was all a part of that. Um, just the all, entire worldview of not viewing animals as God's creation, but adding them as some sort of class that needs to be protected, that animals weren't provided to us as a form of sustainability. We're supposed to consume animals to a degree, but we're supposed to do it humanely. You know, we the first animal sacrifice was due to us committing the first sin. And that animal was put to death and turned into a burnt offering that pleased the Lord. So uh, to worship the animals, to worship the earth with this climate change garbage, to show that you're a good person by marking check, Check marks on a list of good things you have done And making it public so everybody can see it Is a failed worldview. That's ultimately what, what I mean by all this It opens you up to positions to where You will create a crypto exchange To earn all this money so you can give it back to the poor While at the same time Other people Such as the Democrat Party Progressive Republicans Are getting kickbacks from it Money is getting poured into campaigns by this guy He was second to George Soros and donations to democrat candidates so this crypto exchange with its puppet head we still don't know if he was the one who came up with this by himself or if he was just installed and walked around in his shorts and his you know bushy hair unkept hair and in the middle of his orgies with his 10 roommates and his his uh, goofy uh, co-executive from almeida who said they don't use basic math to reconcile their books Um, Of course, the the guy who restructured Enron was called in to look at the books, and he said it was the worst thing he's ever ever seen in his life after seeing Enron. Um, This guy's worldview is the reason. And so they would get all this money going through this crypto exchange. Everybody thought it was trendy and cool. I'm going to jump on the FTX train. And all that money was flowing back to not only Democrats, not only progressive Republicans for... Canada's, you know, candidacies, it was also going to Ukraine. Imagine that. According to reporting from Coindesk, the Ukrainian government partnered with FTX to help convert cryptocurrency donations into arms and war supplies. According to some estimates between FTX and the National Bank of Ukraine, they facilitated the flow of up to 100 million worth of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for the war effort. Ukrainian officials have refuted the allegation that anything nefarious happened, but with FTX, but that's pretty much meaningless. The biggest evidence in favor of the conspiracy theory is the timing of SBF's donations. He gave much more money to Democrats after the partnership with Ukraine than he did before. After March 15, 2022, the date when Coindesk first reported the partnership with Ukraine. SBF gives another $22.4 million to politicians and political committees. In May, two months after the start of FTX Ukrainian partnership, SBF tells a podcaster that his soft ceiling for political spending on left-wing causes is in the billions. Regardless of what you think about the conspiracy theory of tax money being funneled through FTX being given to, or tax money being given to Ukraine in the form of cryptocurrencies being converted through FTX and sent back to Democrat politicians while also funding the Ukrainian world economic forum proxy war against Russia. Um, it's clear that SBF donated far more money after the Ukrainian partnership and floated the idea of donating enormous sums after the Ukrainian partnership. So um, Ukrainian relief money flowing onto FTX books that would raise serious questions from the U.S. government considering U.S. taxpayers have shelled out more than 60 billion in aid and another few billion today for the war effort in Ukraine. And that got me thinking, is this the only crypto exchange doing it? You got a lot of crypto exchanges out there. There are some that are looked to be paper tigers, shell companies, iFinex. I- they said it's, uh, it's difficult to determine exactly which country, iFinex, Bitfinex, and Tether, which is a stable coin pe- pegged to the U.S. dollar that FTX was involved with, which one operates, what country do they operate out, out of? There's no actual offices. Instead, the organization is a mesh of shell companies located in the British Virgin Islands, Hmm. You know who else was down there? Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, Hong Kong, Switzerland and other jurisdictions. So Ukraine was known to be taking money, donations in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency, Ethereum, what have you, and transferring it uh, to other wallets and then turning it into fiat cash, buying military weapons. The whole thing stinks. I think we're scratching the surface of something huge but the worldview behind these people that think they can build a utopia like the world economic forum is trying to do where he throws all this money into pandemic related issues. One of them is his brother's firm that's uh, working with on the pandemic responses. And then we find out he's funded money to go up against ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which were proven good treatment. If you did come down with COVID and then you got money flowing through Ukraine and their companies are all located in the Virgin Islands and all these all offshore places, and all this money's flowing to Democrat candidates and progressive Republicans. What is the ruse? It's what it, there's something big in Ukraine, something being covered up. But I think this is a pathway to finding out what is happening over there. But I think we all had to get a good understanding of the FTX issue at hand, and uh, I wanted to know what the heck was going on. And of course, like I did with Syria, where we broke that open into two uh, episodes, Uh, Juan Guaido and his progressive revolution against uh, uh, Maduro down there in Venezuela, all these things that the mainstream media never told you about, we've taken the time to research it here. So if you value my research, uh, feel free to donate anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundClouds, uh, Google Play, iHeart, TuneIn—it's all over the place. You can also email me at Slade at uh, or at yeah at Slade at protonmail and uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Adrian Slade Show on Twitter. Also on uh, Truth Social, we're on Getter, we're on Parler, we're all over the place. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. Good night.